0: Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. CDC urgently requests your assistance. We've got that
1: story plus bankrupt Bayer. But first, part man, part machine, all cop, RoboCop is here. At least maybe his helmet is here. New police helmet, scans for COVID-19, and, you know, some biometrics as well. This coming from TheFreeThoughtProject.com. And again, everything we always include on these shows down in your show notes. It took... How many years, of course? 33 years, but Robocop is basically here, or at least again. His helmet is here. His smart helmet is here, and it can screen airport passengers for the COVID 19 virus, as well as provide the scanning officer with other vital records. Public officials in Flint, Michigan can't provide clean drinking water to their residents, but travelers to Bishop International Airport can get a glimpse of the new robotic cop helmets where they are currently deployed. Under the guise of the Scam the smart helmet produced by Italians—I I would have thought—I would have thought better. My Italian brethren can <laughs> scan travelers' body temperatures from over 20 feet away, but of course, that is not its limit. Facial recognition software is installed, which can provide the police officer with information related to outstanding warrants. If you're on an ever trustworthy no-fly list, it can read license plates for outstanding warrants, stolen vehicle information, criminal history, essentially anything the police state would like to look into. Police use facial recognition smart helmets to conduct indiscriminate surveillance at airports. You can see the local WNEM TV5 video, Flint Bishop becomes the first U.S. airport. So again, that's maybe the extra sort of insult to injury. Sorry, your water's poison, but here's Ed 209. So remember the plot of RoboCop, I was actually, we were tweeting about this with, with some friendos the other day and they were saying, oh gosh, yeah, it's turning into, you know, some sort of dystopic story. It's almost like we need RoboCop. And I said, you would laugh, but remember the plot of RoboCop in a dystopian future. Detroit is on the verge of collapse due to financial mismanagement and a high crime rate. The city signs a deal with the mega megacorporation Omniconsumer Products to run Detroit's police department in exchange for letting OCP rebuild rundown sections of the city into a high-end utopia. I'm not sure if they were going to call it Sidewalk Labs or not, but the bonus note on top of all this, James, on the 20th anniversary DVD of RoboCop, one of the producers says the film was fascism for liberals, a politically liberal film done in the most violent way possible. So these stories in our first segment, James, both kind of real and imagined both happening in Michigan, with, of course, Democrat Governor
0: Whitmer, one of the Scam Demics' biggest fans, eh? Exactly, yeah. Fascism for liberals. That's uh, that's a great way to get everyone on board. We have something (laughs) for everyone, except for those pesky people who care about human freedom, but who cares about those cringe weirdos, right? Uh, Yeah, interesting uh, concept, but... We sometimes, I mean, we talk about the ways that these Hollywood programs program us or predictively program us, but in some cases, I don't even think it's that per se. It is the logic of the technology itself presenting itself to us, and you can bet your bottom dollar... Wasn't that one of the phrases from Robocop? Anyway, <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. You can bet your <laughs> You can bet your bottom dollar that if a technology can be deployed in a way to control you, to control your actions, your movements, restrict your freedoms, and otherwise curtail your basic liberties, it will be. It will be at some point applied in that way, or at least they will try to do that. So The convergence of all these technologies in these RoboCop smart helmets is no surprise whatsoever, and it's not even that RoboCop magically predicted the future or something, it's just the logic of the situation, and there is only one philosophy that really actively works against this logic and the creation of this police state, and that is anarchism. Because if you are involved with the state, if you are a statist, if you are behind the idea of the centralization of power in our guys' hands, the good guys, the good guys will take the power and they'll use it for good. The police state will march on and on and on and on until it becomes literal Robocop. And how far are we from the point where it won't be the, you know, like we're seeing all this stuff from Australia with pregnant women being hauled out of their homes by police thugs. It'll be police robots hauling pregnant women out of their homes. There will not even be a human being to even attempt to reason with. And uh, we all know how that goes in RoboCop with Ed 209. So let's, uh, let's not see how that goes in real life. But as I say, there's only one political ideology that actually works against this logic.
1: And, and that would be actual anarchism as an idea, not what Clinton News networks said. Oh, these anarchists burning exactly. stuff. Yeah. It's absolutely not. Again, crazy 9 11 conspiracy theorists like ourselves have been yelling about this for 15 years that Bush and Obama both helped normalize police state torture, and it's all. And it's all here. Again, James, I think Annie was the different sort of uh, predictive programming you were thinking of there with that bet your bottom
0: dollar. You know, hey. that's about big government. It's been 30 <laughs> years since I've seen Robocop, so you'll excuse my haziness. That's all right.
1: Well, I did actually. I asked you off. I was, I was glad you had actually seen it back in the day. Of course, I am a fan of sci-fi dystopias, but it is not all bashing the fake left here on New World Next Week, episode 419. We've got the dirt on fake right as well. Full membership list of the CNP, the Christian Rights Secretive Powerful Council for National Policy. Full membership list published allegedly for the very first time. It's the 2018 list. But again, that's maybe about as recent as we would get sometimes of of the Bilderberg lists back in the day. Swamp Thing previewed his 2020 RNC acceptance address—he kind of practiced it before the influential Council for National Policy—and he inspired gales of applause by boasting, quote, I could run in Israel, and you know who appreciates it the most? Are the evangelical Christians. The White House actually videotaped Trump's speech, proudly disseminated it online, conspicuously missing from the footage, is anybody from the audience. And no, it's not because of the scandemic. It's because they're a secretly kind of, you know, cabal group, Christian right. This is something, James, I'm sure your inbox has been filled up with folks going, oh, why don't you ever talk about the CNP? Well, I think in a lot of ways we... New World Next Week is a news show, so there kind of has to be a news story to kind of hang on to, instead of coming in every week and going, here's all our pet peeves about things. Fortunately, for those who have the CNP pet peeve, there is news about it. And you got the whole giant list. It's all been published by the Gray Zone. You can get the PDFs. You can look down. It's, I mean, it's a long, long list. It has, you know, it's got even their little pictures and things. Just the brief, I, I scrolled down through it, James, to look for any names that kind of popped out to me. Uh, The currently going down in flames Liberty University crew, the Falwell and company, the Black Hawk Down guy, Eric Prince and Betsy DeVos' mom, Salem Media, which apparently is just like the fifth biggest media corporation in America, tied essentially with CBS in a lot of markets, Judicial Watch, Frank Gaffney, Donna Rice, Clarence Thomas's wife, it's like a throwback to the hardcore Russianoya 80s in some ways with Reagan. It's essentially the hardcore Zio neocon crew through and through. So, James, in other kind of meet-the-new-boss-same-as-the-old-boss news, this one kind of just came out today. And I think both of these stories, much like we did in the summer leading up to... America's Next Top President 2016, we told you, hey, you know, Trump, he's making sure to sneak away and consult with Sheldon Adelson and Kissinger about whatever I believe that I'm going to talk about going forward, to, again, to put on that on that list. This came out today from McClatchy, urgent request sent to states in push for coronavirus vaccine delivery by November 1st, so essentially just under two months now. Dr. Robert Redfield, director for the CDC, sent a letter last week to the nation's governors with an urgent request. The Trump administration wanted them to do everything in their power to eliminate hurdles for vaccine distribution sites to be fully operational by November 1st. This August 27th letter obtained by McClatchy, but not linked up or displayed in any way that I can find, asked Governors to fast-track permits and licenses for new distribution sites. Quote, the normal time required to obtain these permits presents a significant barrier to the success of this urgent public health program. CDC urgently requests your assistance in expediting applications for these distribution facilities and, if necessary, asks that you consider waiving requirements that would prevent these facilities from becoming fully
0: operational by November 1st, 2020. James? James? All right, well, on the CNP story, I mean, what? You know, Swamp Thing Trump is pandering to the Israel-loving, war-on-terror-fraud-promoting neocons? Why? I never. Is this the same Trump that appointed the mustachioed (laughs) Walrus of Doom, Bolton and Guliani and Elliot Iran contra Abrams? Like, wow, who would have thought it? Yeah, no. So, I mean, that isn't news to anyone who's paying attention, but... Not a lot of people are paying attention when they get caught up in the phony sideshow of political left-right nonsense. On the vaccine issue, in a sense, strategically, just talking strategically, the politicization of the vaccine issue may be the best thing that could happen for Americans who are concerned about the vaccines right now. And I say this because the entire impetus, the logic of these vaccines that is being thrust on the public right now is that the science is neutral, the science is settled, the science speaks for itself, science is above all of this political fray. That is what the big pharma funded generally, uh, science spokespeople on TV, the Bill Nye's and others who are not scientists, want desperately want the public to believe that this is nothing to do with politics, it's science. And if you don't listen to science, you're one of these stupid, whatever, these redneck pieces of garbage that you know, doesn't deserve to exist. We get, we get to stomp on your head in Corona World, uh, metaphorically or otherwise, because you suck. Um, but... If you politicize the vaccine debate and it becomes a left-right issue, I can't take that vaccine because it's been approved by Republicans. It's a Trump vaccine, so that's a bad vaccine. Then the, the left is implicitly admitting there that, yes, there is a political basis to this and that you do have reasons for distrusting where this vaccine is coming from and what agenda might be behind it. They are going to insert the skepticism into this debate through this Trojan back door. And so <laughs> I can already see the uh, Q supporting, you know, 15 D chess Trump is mega people saying, see, this is what he's trying to do, guys. He's pushing the vaccines in order to undermine the vaccines. <laughs> whatever millions of republicans will happily line up and roll up their sleeves to get the trump shot because it's trump um which is stupid but it's their choice and they're allowed to make it but i do think there is a strategic value to politicizing the vaccine debate here i'd be interested to hear your take on this for, as an actual american
1: well i just i was just now typing the note that it's like oh well you know some people want obama phones other people want trump shots and it essentially plays out the the same way I was also thinking about your latest episode of uh Propaganda Watch because you just said, you know, stuff stomping on, you know, children's heads in the Corona World game, James. That's a complete rip-off of Super Mario World. I guess I would hope in some ways that Nintendo, they, I mean, they they keep a pretty tight hold on their on their properties. They should maybe pursue that. Man, I don't know what's going to come next here. I- again, it's Luckily, I, this is the first time I've, I've felt this way, but we've talked about this before. Luckily, I'm not in Portland, Oregon right now anymore, and I don't know what on earth would be going on with my life if I were still there. Fortunately, being down here, we're a bit distanced from a lot of the the kind of raging insanity, and in a ways, I get to get a little bit of a, a distance from it. And I think in a lot of ways, it's because a lot of folks almost sort of don't don't pay attention much like we were talking about before. And then, you know, that can, that can cut and help both ways, I suppose. Uh, the the push, I mean, to give it this sort of date and maybe this was actually someone in my chat earlier saying, Hey, maybe again, it's someone from the CDC that wants to push this stuff out to actually, again, kind of force the issue. And then if you're looking at some kind of specific date that's right before the big press, I mean, how many things are they piling on the weekend before the selection? You got Halloween, you got sweet meteors of death. You're going like all it's all going to happen right then, James. So we maybe need some sort of good news for our third and final story on This New World Next Week, episode 419. Really interesting one, actually a really long article from nakedcapitalism.com. And a lot of it does does start to go over my head. I am not a lawyer. It is a very kind of legalese, very economics-focused site. But I've tried to essentially boil down the story to its, to its core. Lawsuits target Bank of America, Credit Suisse, and Bayer over their disastrous acquisition of Monsanto. A series of blockbuster cases against some of the very biggest names in European business haven't gotten the attention they warrant, in part, of course, due to the scandemic. There's lawsuits against uh, unrelated things, I believe, Deutsche Bank, UBS, Credit Suisse, Volkswagen. They're in their whole own trouble. But basically, Bayer, Monsanto, and all the financial instruments around it that help fund that and make a bunch of money off of these transactions. Those are the focus of Hausman v. Bauman, a derivative lawsuit over Bayer's disastrous acquisition of Monsanto. The sort of novel feature in this case, the interesting part that it's being sort of played out, is that they're doing it in New York state court, but basically using the parent company's governing law, which for Bayer is the German Stock Corporation Act, as the basis for asserting causes of action. So even if you've been paying attention to the business press as Naked Capitalism writes, it's hard to appreciate how appallingly bad the Monsanto deal has been for Bayer, not just in conception, but also in execution. Yes, nearly every penny of the $66 billion that Bayer paid for Monsanto has gone poof. Yes, Bayer is the... F- First time in German corporate history that a public company got majority vote of no confidence from its shareholders, and yes, Bayer is at risk of bleeding out over seemingly endless Monsanto-related liability claims. Roundup, as we've talked about many, many times, taking the center stage. What would normally be a big deal litigation drain to Canva, even the second one is like an afterthought, is a whole other problem. Unlike any other company ever facing similar litigation, Bayer is neither taken Randolph off off the market, they haven't reformulated it, and they haven't put a cancer warning on it. As Naked Capitalism writes, it looks like Bayer will eventually declare bankruptcy. So James, the question of all of this is, why? Why would they take on such a giant economic disaster? I, I have my suspicions.
0: What about you? Well, it is a very good question, and it's a very important question. And Eve Smith, for his sake, has his own answer in this article, which, as you say, it is a lengthy and detailed article and includes, of course, the uh, the documents in question. So I hope people will go and read it for themselves. But the uh, the passage in particular, where he highlights his idea, his take on why this is happening, he says, And most important, the deal went ahead for the worst possible reason. Buyer management wanted to bulk up so as not to be acquired. The real motive was to keep current management in place to preserve their lofty pay and high status. Monsanto was the only major candidate left standing for merger for the obvious reasons. Both the chemical and the pharma industries has, uh, had seen decades of consolidation, and Bayer was a tempting target by having little debt and not having kept up with the agglomeration game. When Pfizer's bid for Allergan fell apart due to an adverse tax ruling, long standing and highly regarded CEO Marin Deckers, who had long opposed the idea of Monsanto deal, suddenly retired. The two Verners, Chairman Werner Venning and the surprise new CEO, Werner Baumann, both of whom had long been uh, had long pushed to buy Monsanto were in charge and moved rapid forward rapidly with their plan. Except they couldn't save tying an anchor to Bayer in the form of a two billion dollar breakup fee. Bayer could do only limited due diligence on Monsanto due to the fact that they were competitors, and the acquisition was subject to antitrust review in the U.S. and Germany. Those assessments usually take months. This one took twenty four, and it goes on from there. It was just this cascading series of worst possible outcomes in every case for Bayer, and it is, I mean, there are significant amounts of schadenfreude and rejoicing that should be going on over the idea of Bayer going down. Uh, I, I hope our audience will be informed about this because we've talked about Bayer over and over and over through the years here on New World Next Week, but I will direct people to a video I did on the hidden history of Bayer a few years ago, talking about the 100th anniversary of uh, Bayer's invention and use of chemical weapons in World War One. yay, and some of their other... Shady shenanigans over the years. And of course, episode 340 of my podcast, Reisbach talked specifically about Bayer plus Monsanto equals a match made in hell, if you need to get caught up on the story. But it is a good thing that Bayer is going down. But why precisely? I mean, obviously, there are the individual motivations of the uh, the two Verner's and other things that Eve Smith is pointing to. But generally speaking, a large corporate empire like this does not just go down without machinations behind the scenes. I guess that's the conspiracy theorist in me talking. So I, I have the feeling this is not the end of the story, but I I have the sense, I have the, the feeling that I I can see the Ewoks dancing around the, the funeral pyre of Darth Byer here, and... I feel like the Jedi on the side. I know that this isn't the end you know, of the story. This isn't the full ultimate victory of good over evil. It's not quite complete. But I'm not going to sit there and spoil the Ewoks dance party because we need something like that at this time. Um, so uh, let's say this is not the end of the story, but it is a good thing that Bayer is going down and uh, we can at least publish and and publicize and get the word out about why this is a good thing to educate the public so that its inevitable successor cannot rise into the same position of prominence.
1: Well, and that's where the, the conspiracy theorist in me would say, I think much like the, the Taos compound guys... They've got to roll it all up, man. It can't fall into anybody else's hands. The work of multi-generational serial killer eugenesis behind Santo and, and the rest of it is way too important to just fall into the hands and maybe be bought up by someone else. So even talk about 4D chess, maybe Bear put itself into a difficult situation to not be, yeah, good grief. Yeah. 4D, 5D chess, perhaps, James. <laughs> Plus, all the pop culture references that folks could handle, which is a lot of my stock and trade in the Media Monarchy Kingdom. As I always like to remind folks, I stream like a radio station, maybe like a college radio station. That it isn't on 24 hours a day yet, but is on eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, nine to five at MediaMonarchy.com/Listen. We mentioned the Media Monarchy Post Office Box last week. We have already seen some action from that. You can find that in your show notes. And again. This is how we've been doing this. James, my... We will basically be on the eve of the 15th anniversary of Media Monarchy when we meet up next week to do New World Next Week episode 420, and I appreciate you, buddy.
0: James, I think if we ever start an EDM duo act, we should call it Ewok Dance Party. What do you say?
1: (laughs) Well, after the Nintendo lawsuits for... uh...
0: (laughs) Yeah, good point. Yeah, Disney will definitely sue. Okay. We'll we'll rethink that. Uh, please leave your suggestions in the comments, uh, but we'll leave it there for this week. James, thanks again. Talk to you next week.
1: All right. Thanks, buddy. Take care.